and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. Turn on the lights. I love the Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G, along with Will Perry. And uh, a very tan, golden brownish looking, Will. You're a little tan as well. I know. We had some fun over the fourth. Yeah. You know it's been a good fourth when you're picking up all the kettle corn in your car and (laughs) sand. Definitely the sand, for um, sure. Suntan lotion all over. Uh, It was a a nice fourth and lots of fireworks. We had our usual wonderful little... Fourth of July parade in Mount Dora. Never disappoints. Well, at least you didn't get stuck in all the traffic from Red Hot and Boom as I did on Monday night. You didn't. Well, I did, but I wasn't thinking when I was driving around. And then once you get stuck in it, you're oh, done. Like, I know. That's You know, a few years of that, I love my little town. Mm-hmm. With our fireworks on the lake, which actually I have to say was best ever. That's uh, they awesome. They did some pretty cool stuff for... You know, the budget that they're on. I was actually in bed by eight o'clock. <laughs> when? I could hear last night. Oh, I could hear I the mouse out of my window. I'd had, uh, you know, three days of yeah. fireworks. And then um, uh, they just started on my lake at about quarter nine mm-hmm. and on either side of my house and all around. And I that just didn't keep me from crashing, though. Put Sounds all the, like not for you as well. Put all the pets in the back room <laughs> and <laughs> took a little boop and. Went off to La La Land. Yep, absolutely. Uh, big weekend in golf for oh, a couple. Oh, hey, it was Couch Potato well. Paradise on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, between you know, triple header between the KPMG Women's Major, the U.S. Senior Open, and and the Quicken Quick Loans. Loans. Mm-hmm. Kyle Stanley, big win. Um, that was a tough one coming down the stretch. I'm definitely interested to get Todd's thoughts on that. Um, Talk about a player, basically, who at one point just kind of faded from existence, but had some really good uh, play at the early on part of his career. Yeah, and also, um, you know, a a great uh, down-to-the-wire matchup um, with... um, ah, Drawing a blank? Yes, uh, Charles Howell III, hello. There you go. (laughs) C.H., the three. Uh, missing a 21-footer for Birdie to win on uh, the 18th in regulation, and then it went into a playoff. And many may um, have remembered, I can't even believe it's been this long, but it was five years ago when Kyle Stanley, um, you know, he he blew his first chance to play uh, to win a tournament and then came back. The very next week. Yeah, the very next week at the... um, uh, Waste management. I think it was in uh, 2013. Uh, so, you know, it, like we talk about every week, 
It's so tough to win on tour. So well, much let talent. Alone keep your card. Absolutely. And this was a good example where he sort of went off, uh, you know, into oblivion for a couple of years and then to be able to come back and, and win a tournament like the Quicken Loan. So we're going to go straight to one of our favorite golf insiders. And he's been manning Golf Central all week on the Golf Channel. Todd Lewis with us. Hey, Todd. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing well. Um, so much golf going on this past weekend. As I said, it was couch potato paradise on Sunday with uh, the senior major, the women's major, and a uh, big tournament, the quick and loans. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun for golf fans. Your thoughts on Kyle Stanley? Well, I think it was remarkable. And, and if you saw, if you happen to check out Golf Central or some other PGATour.com or whatever, and you saw his post-round press conference on Sunday and how emotional it was, um, that's just proof, like you were talking about, how hard it is to win on tour. Because when he won early in his career, I'm sure it would be easier, and they weren't. So it took him five and a half years to validate, close to five and a half years to validate that first victory with the second. And so, but he's in a good place now. He's recently married. Um, and, you know, he – I. I, I, he's got a reputation as being one of the best ball strikers on the PGA Tour. It's interesting to see now moving forward what he'll do with this win. Your championship. Whoop, Todd. I think we're losing you a little bit. Live radio, right? That's right. You got to love it. And I, I heard his uh, his little one in the background. Well, so. he was, and he was talking about Kyle Stanley and and just how long he went on a hiatus. Of of not winning, I, I think he had said it was five and a half years. It sounds about right. Um, but the, kind of a cool redemption story in some ways. I mean, even for a younger guy who's only 29. Um, and just before we had brought on Todd, we were talking about just the aspect of, and Todd mentioned it too, of how hard it is to win on tour. But not even just how, how hard it is just to hold your card. Um, and kind of maintaining that. Um, so, Todd, you were kind of mentioning... You know the aspect of of uh, Kyle Stanley and and going that that gap between his wins and how hard it is to win on tour and and let alone just keeping your card on tour. Yeah, I mean it's 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 very hard. I mean, let's go back I don't know, six or seven years ago. Hunter Mahan, you remember him? He was like a dominant force on the PGA Tour, and right now he's virtually irrelevant in the game. And that's just a testament of how quickly this can come and how quickly this can go. Um, and it's, it's also, it also speaks to the depth of talent worldwide that's out there, not only on the PGA Tour, but the European Tour in Australia and Japan and Asia and so on. So, uh, you know, I've said this many times. What Jack Nicklaus did on the golf course was phenomenal. But... Um, and I'm not taking anything away from what Jack Nicklaus did. I mean, he's, he was my idol growing up, and I consider him the greatest player. But he did not face the depth of talent that is out there right now. There were about 20 to 30 guys when Jack Nicklaus and companies showed up at a PGA Tour event just probably were going to win. Here, 156-man field, you're probably looking at about 125 to 140 that could win. So... It's it's remarkable how strong and how deep the game of golf is right now. Yeah, and, and uh, Charles Howell III, 
who was looking for his third PGA Tour win and his first since the 2007 Nissan Open. And I was surprised to learn this was his 16th career runner-up finish. And how about him being, you know, he's now inside the top 25 in career money earned on the PGA Tour. And he's still got a long way to go. He's only got two wins. Wow. And he's made, and he's made I think, somewhere around $33 million. It, it's remarkable. And that's, that first, that speaks to how much money these guys are playing for now. Thank you, Tiger Woods, compared to you know, a decade or two ago. Um, but yeah, also, I don't want to take anything away from Charles Howell III. He may not be holding championship trophies as much as some say he should, but he is pretty consistent uh, in putting himself in contention. And um, But, yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable um, how, where the game is right now and what you have to do to win and remain a viable force out there on the PGA Tour, and globally for that matter. Speaking of Tiger, clearly missed this week at a tournament that benefits his foundation. Um, he released a, a comment tweet on, I guess it was, was it on the 3rd? Um, that, you know, he had completed a private intensive program out of state. Any update on that or thoughts? No, no. He's, um, you know, pretty much behind a curtain and as maybe he should be. I'm not taking any way, anything away from Tiger handling this privately. Actually, he's handling it more publicly than, than a lot of people would handle it. Um, that's good news. Uh, that's, that's really good news that, A, Tiger recognizes the issue, B, he's trying to get treatment for this issue. And I can tell you from the um, tour players that I've talked to, media members, and, and some fans, uh, many fans actually, that they are supporting Tiger Woods. Um, you know, it's, it's something, uh, the opioid and pain medication crisis is a national issue. Um, and, you know, you, you just want Tiger, whoever's going through this, to bounce back and live a productive life and forward. I know that well. have been through it with a family member of my own. And yeah. uh, are you surprised at, uh, at Tiger being so public about this, Todd? Um, you know, it's a good question. I, you know, I, I do believe that there's some aspects of Tiger that are, over the last few years, becoming a little more revealing um, and I, I don't really have a problem. Let me just say this. I don't have a problem with him handling this as privately or as publicly as he wants. As a matter of fact, I think it's kind of, how do I put this? I, I think it's selfish of us as fans in the media to want to know every detail of what's going on with Tiger as he fights this crisis. Uh, I think he should handle this the way he wants to handle it as privately as he wants to handle it. Um, I, ha- I don't have any problem with how he's handling it when he's just giving little sentences or two. That's great. Um, I-, I do feel like he's, in my opinion, I do feel like that there are people that he knows that care about him and he is releasing some information moving forward. Um, but, yeah, I I, I think he's he, – he owns – the right to handle this the way he wants to, and, and we should never judge it. I, I agree with you. Um, turning to the Greenbrier, of course, uh, the tournament that we know was canceled last year due to those yeah. that the, the horrific storms and the, the hurricane that went through there. Um, have you seen the course? How, you know, how are things shaping up for, for this week? I think a very historic tournament that we're glad to see back on the schedule and, 
in terms of how people have bounced back in that area? Well, I have not seen the course, and for those who are listening and aren't aware, there was a, a just a kind of a storm that was kind of a one in a hundred years kind of storm. It wasn't a hurricane or nor'easter or something. It was just a massive rainstorm that suddenly dumped ten inches of rain over a twelve-hour period in the White Sulphur Springs area, which is where the Greenbrier is in West Virginia. Um, massive flooding, massive, horrific, tragic flooding. Hundreds of millions of dollars of property damaged. Uh, lost, and unfortunately, 23 people lost their lives. Um, cool thing about the owner, Jim Justice of the Greenbrier, for those people who had nothing at the time, he opened up this palatial resort to those people to come, and he fed them, he housed them until they were able to get on their feet again. Um, I think that speaks a lot to the spirit of the community uh, and the Greenbrier and Jim Justice, who is now governor, by the way, of West Virginia, mostly because of what he did through the storm. Um, so, I mean, it's it's an emotional time for those people in that area of West Virginia. Um, they, the memories are not going to go away from that horrific tragedy, but this will help. Seeing the PGA Tour back, seeing this golf course restored, uh, repaired, somewhat renovated, um, and players I mean, have nothing but great things to say about the way this golf course looks, and hats off to the entire staff that were able to get the TPC Old White back back to PGA Tour Championship form. It's going to be, I, I tell you, watch tomorrow on Golf Channel if you get a chance. It's going to be an emotional an emotional day, in my opinion. And, and we shouldn't forget, too, Bubba Watson and his wife, how uh, – they they stepped up having owning property there, and I I believe if I remember they pledged two hundred fifty thousand dollars to the relief effort. So um, certainly Bubba, you know, really experienced it firsthand. Right, he has property there, and yeah, it was close to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. And you know, you probably won't hear a lot about it, but there will be some players who will dip into their pockets and and hand out some money to the folks in need there. Um, and I, I would be surprised to see the PGA Tour step up. I mean, so it's, you know, it's the Tour is, tour is very good about taking care of their own, and uh, the Greenbrier is a great spot. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, who, who who do you have your eye on for this uh, this this week's tournament, Todd? You know, that's a good question. I mean, because this golf course, although the holes aren't really rerouted, the greens, just about every green from what I understand, uh, I am not there. I'm in Orlando this week. But uh, from what I understand, just about every green was tinkered with a bit. So all of the notes, uh, green books that players have had in years past there, they probably are useless this week. Um, so you've got that. Uh, so you kind of look for the players that come in kind of warm in their game right now. And you mentioned Charles Hall III. I would be surprised to see him on the – First page of that leaderboard comes Sunday afternoon. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Kevin Strillman. I believe he's got five or six top, straight top 20 finishes over the last few months. Um, but of your marquee players, Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watson, uh, very unknown with those guys. They haven't really shown any great form this week. Um, and, so, and Phil playing without bones for the first time. Yeah, and that you know, I, that I, that's going to be interestingly. I don't know if it's going to be awkward or not. I mean, Tim and Phil are very, very close. Phil has said many times he loves and respects his brother, you know, which is no shock there. And uh, you know, to be honest with you, Phil could walk the golf courses that he's played over the years without a caddy in play. Um, 
And so I don't I don't know if it's going to be that big a deal. However, I will tell you this: this is Phil's fourth start at the Greenbrier Classic. He has yet to play the weekend. So wow. It, yeah, so he is, he's not played well historically at the Greenbrier Classic, and now he's doing it without his trusty caddy, Jim Bones Mackay, for the very first time officially in competition. So I don't, I don't, I'm interested to see what happens there. There'll be some extra eyeballs turning in just to, yeah. just to see that. Well, as always, Ty, we appreciate your time. And are you on the desk all this week at Golf Central? Uh, I will be on the weekend. All right. Well, we always appreciate you taking some time, especially when you're off the road. Todd Lewis, check out all the coverage at Golf Channel and Golf Central this week. Thanks so much, my friend. You listen to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders in the house. Holly G along with Will Perry. And Will, as you know, we um, have a partnership with the big summer golf cart. We're giving another one away. And I'm not going to say when. All right. Well, we'll keep you keep everyone out there tabbed in. Are we going to do call or we want to try social media tonight? Uh, it's your, you, you, let's just, do social media. All let's, right. Let's but get a make message. Make it easy. Last time, my gosh, you know, they, they had to go to the Encyclopedia Golf to answer the questions. So. Okay. Well, yeah. So if Try to make it a no-brainer. All right. So we'll do a trivia question. I'll have, I'll have something ready for us to go uh, after this segment. Um, so we had, like we were saying earlier, we had the, the, well, not the Wegmans anymore, the KPMG. I'm so used to calling it the Wegmans was I last know, week. Daniel from my Kang. hometown. Danielle Kang gets her first win. Uh, then Kenny Perry picks up another senior major. Right. And we talked about the U.S. Senior Open last week. Uh, so we're going to check in with him again. Uh, Kevin Casey from Golf Week's on the line to, to fill us in on uh, both, both the majors. Let's, Kevin, are you there? Wow, we're we having all kinds of phone troubles tonight. I, you know, it's the, va- it's the vacation, you know. Voodoo. It, it must be. Everyone's <laughs> still on fireworks and going to the beach and pool parties in the it, middle of the yeah, week. Yeah, well, you know, even we are feeling a oh, little yeah. weird tonight, Which I right? couldn't blame them. I woke we're up not, this morning and I was like, I don't really want to get up. But still, still feeling like a, a Monday, not a not So a let's talk about Kenny Perry, though, because I know that Kevin Casey uh, is going to tap, tap into that a little bit for us. But talk about somebody who goes to the, the Champions Tour and winds up playing better. Uh, well, Kenny Perry was good. He was a streaky player. He was streaky, and he picked up a bunch of wins on the PGA Tour, 14 of them to be exact, but never won a major on the PGA Tour. And I think, I don't Which remember. Which is a surprise to me. Well, yeah, I mean, he he def- um, contended a couple of times. I, I remember a um, maybe it was a PGA at um, in Kentucky, actually, maybe even. When, when when was most recently there a PGA at Valhalla? Was that maybe five, six? something-ish years ago. Yeah. Something like that. But anyways, so, I mean, he's now um, won three senior uh, major championships, uh, has eight more wins on, on the Champions Tour. And, um, you know, it's good to see somebody but maybe Bernard Longer uh, pick up a win. Yeah, and he and Kirk Triplett were really, you know, there wasn't anybody close behind uh, on Sunday anyway. And, you know, he, he does tend to get in the zone. He... 
accredits the fact that he had a new caddy on the bag. Gosh, you know, we're talking all about caddies lately, aren't mm-hmm. we? New caddy on the bag and uh, put a new putter in the bag. And he said, you know, it's all about my putting. I'm a streaky putter, and when my putter gets hot, I usually win golf tournaments, and that's exactly what happened this week. But I had never really – I'd forgotten about that hitch he has. Yeah, at the top, his, it's kind of like a Hideki Matsuyama move to some degree. But but not as smooth. No, no. I mean, I wouldn't want to study that swing. No, it's yeah. A little, he hits these big roping draws. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, a funky stance at the ball, but hey, it works, right? Sometimes it's just about getting the ball in the hole. And Daniel Kang, who won the 2010 and 2011 U.S. Women's Amateur, came out with you know great promise. Uh, captures her first win on the LPGA, which I think you know was a surprise that she hadn't won sooner. And it's a major. It doesn't get any better than that. And I think we've got Kevin back. Kevin? Yes, I'm back. Sorry about that. All right. No worries. So we were just talking about Daniel Kang, how she had a, you know, just a terrific amateur career. I believe she played a Pepperdine. Uh, happens to be very good friends with Michelle Wee. And, um, you know, I think we thought she would have won a little sooner given her back-to-back women's amateur championships and, you know, just the level of player that she was coming out to the tour. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it took her six years to win for the first time on the LPGA. Granted, her first win is a major, so that's pretty nice. But, yeah, exactly. I mean, she won, as you mentioned, back-to-back U.S. Women's Am titles, 2010-2011, turned pro, I believe, at age 18, and figured she'd win probably within a year or two on the LPGA, considering uh, her, her talent at that time. It, it just didn't work out right away. You know, she lost some confidence, and she had a lot of injuries she had to struggle through, especially last year as well. But she, she's got a she, she's got a high spirit. And, you know, Michelle Wee's a great friend to have there because she's had her own injury issues, her own uh, issues with not meeting expectations at times. But uh, uh, Michelle Wee's handled it well, and Danielle's now handling it well, too. And now they're both major champions, which is pretty nice, which has a pretty nice ring to it. Putting you on the spot a little bit, Kevin, but just from the aspect of you know, it seems just a little bit as a somewhat of a golf outsider as a fan, but also being someone within the game as well. It seems as though a lot of women on the LPGA have a knack for picking up their first win, being in a major, more so than at least what we see on the PGA Tour. And I don't have any statistics or, or anything like that to back it up, but just from a perception standpoint. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, there's a stat out there. I think Danielle is like the sixth person or sixth woman to uh, have her first LPJ victory be the KPMG Women's PJ, which I think was six. It was something a high number that I would have never guessed. So I mean, uh, if there's that perception out there, I think it, the stats. If you look up the stats there, I think it would back it up. And uh, I don't know why that is. I mean, to be honest, I'm, I haven't really thought about it too much. But uh, maybe I mean, you know, the uh, some of these women, some of these golfers that come out in the LPGA, I think they're more ready younger than, say, male golfers are sometimes. So, I mean, maybe they don't win right away, but they can win a big event pretty soon, sooner than most uh, most uh, young guys can, no matter their talent. So I think that may be a little bit. Otherwise, I honestly don't really know for sure, but I do think uh, that perception is actually is correct. And, and one of those was Brooke Henderson last year, the yeah. defending champ who – uh, really gave Kang a, a run for the money coming down the stretch. She birdied the 17th, 
uh, you know, which was rare given the, the week's play. And then uh, she bombed a three-wood to get to the par 5 18th uh, to possibly make eagle. So it really came down to an exciting finish. And Danielle had a couple of, uh, you know, a little testy shots there, but she also seemed to pull through. She did, yeah. It was a really great finish. I mean, Danielle, I mean, middle of the back nine, early back nine, really, too. She made four straight birdies from 11 through 14. When she rolled that last one in, she had a three-shot lead with four to play. So at that point, it seemed like, okay, it might be kind of a runaway, maybe three or four-shot win. But, yeah, Brooke fought. You mentioned she birdied 17. Danielle then bogeyed 17. And uh, um, Brooke had, as you mentioned, hit a three-wood on the green there, had about 25-footer uphill for Eagle. And really, it was right in the center. It was one revolution short. Camp an inch short of going in for Eagle. If she'd made that, she would have had a one-shot lead with uh, Danielle on the tee there. But tapped in, she was still tied, and then Danielle had to go out there and do some work on 18, make a very to win it, and she did. Hit a great tee shot down the left side of the fairway and hit a fantastic three-wood right to really where Brooke hit her second shot, about 25 feet below the hole, two putts for victory. So, I mean, yeah, it was a really exciting finish and a lot of great play from both both Danielle and Brooke in the back nine. Definitely, definitely didn't lack drama or theater there this year, just like last year. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, also we learned the very poignant story um, and backgrounder on Danielle's father who had caddied for her in both her U.S. Open amateur victories. He died in uh, late 2013 after a six-month battle with brain and lung cancer. And interestingly, she's playing alongside Chella Choi, whose, um, whose father was, uh, Will, actually caddying for her so, I mean, you know, she said that she felt felt her father there with her all day. That emotional bond that so many young younger players have because their parents are one of the only support systems that they have. Yeah. And, you know, I can only imagine just how involved her parents were and her dad was. And her mom put a note in her bag on Sunday morning that said, Dad is with you. And, um, you know, in that moment, um, you know, certainly just... Uh, very, very, very touching. To I say don't know the least. if you catch caught this note, but I I just kind of read it a couple of minutes ago. Um, so she was, you know, after her dad passed away, she was writing all these notes in her in her journal every day. And on Sunday morning, she wrote, "Just keep watching. I got it." I think that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. When I read that, I, I'm not I'm not one that like really gets grabbed by by things like that too much. But that was pretty cool cool to read, and that that did kind of catch me a bit there and. Um, that was pretty pretty cool to read, and you know, good for her, good for good for another young young uh, up and coming player to to collect a win on tour. And we might point out too, Lexi Thompson, who I think probably was looked at as one of the favorites coming in here. Um, you know, good good showing by Lexi, seventy sixty nine sixty nine sixty nine. Given also as we know, yeah, her mom battling her mom. cancer as well. Uh, so, you know, good good showing by Lexi and Stacy Lewis uh, as well. So uh, the Americans were, were in the mix there, and uh, actually Lexi finishing tied for seventh. So it was, it was fantastic golf all the way around uh, between all three tournaments. Really, really fun for golf fans. So, well, we lost Kevin, but we're going to keep on trucking. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play at Pebble, won't pay the price. 
Back the Golf Insiders taking you home on hopefully quieter fairways of I four tonight. <laughs> More so than yesterday. Um, it was all going on downtown, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was. Well, all around the area, really. Yeah, a great, great weekend, and uh, despite the storms, a good amount of sunshine, and we uh, we took advantage of it, didn't we? Yes, we did. So uh, the big summer golf cart, as you know, we partnered with them. We have been giving away a few. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, BigSummerGolf.com. Over 35 courses in Central Florida. Get to play the best rates uh, any day of the week. And uh, this is probably your best value for the next, well, through the, actually, not only through the summer, but through the end of October. And some of them last through the end of December. And Will Perry, you've been taking advantage of this Big Summer Golf card. Playing up a storm. Yep. You know I love my golf. I know you do. Um, Saturday's round wasn't a big summer golf cart round, but. But there are (laughs) pretty much anyone you would want to go play is on this card. So go check it out. BigSummerGolfCard.com. And um, we're going to give one away. I've got the trivia question. You ready? I'm just going to keep it really simple. All right. Direct from your screen. Who was the last defending champion of the Greenbrier Classic? All right. Simple. Simple. My last one, as you said, was too difficult. So, Too simple for complicated minds. But we won't go there right there now. There is technically a loophole with this trivia question. But there is. There is. But, uh, but we'll, keep it, uh, we'll keep it straightforward. So, you know, you've, you've got time. We'll give you till, uh, what, midnight? <laughs> sure, yeah, through the end of the day. You can tweet us at the Golf Insiders or even send us a, a direct message on Facebook. All right. So check it out. That's how you're going to win this week. Um, and uh, the big summer golf cart, it is, uh, it is, it is worth it. All right, we're gonna go to uh, Jeff Shane, who's checking in with us, and um, he's back in Orlando. Our former Orlando Sentinel scribe, Jeff. It's good to hear you. Good to hear you. Well, I was back in Orlando. Had some family uh, things to take care of uh, over the weekend, but. In Hilton Head, and uh, happy fifth, folks. So, uh, hope everything's going well. Well, you have uh, uh, did you excuse me? You did the preview for the Greenbrier on PGA.com, and we were talking a little bit about it in our first segment with Todd Lewis. This is, you know, a, a historic tournament that's been around a long, long time. Obviously, you know the the issues that happened last year with this freaky. A rainstorm that went through and dumped 10 inches uh, in the whole community. And, you know, of course, uh, flooding and lives were lost. Uh, Just give us an update on the course and how it's bounced back, Jeff. Well, it's really a little bit of a, let's put it this way. It is already a win in that uh, the Greenbrier Classic is able to be played on the old white TPC because even as recently as last autumn, there was question about whether uh, there was enough time to get this course ready uh, for the Greenbrier Classic spot on the schedule. Uh, It was the flooding, which was just devastating. We mentioned 10 inches in in just a short period of time. The the photos that were tweeted by Bubba Watson and some others were just, just 
heartbreaking. But uh, that course at the end of the at the end of uh, you know the period was left under three feet of mud, and they essentially had to uh, rebuild an ex- an extensive part of that golf course. All the greens had to be redone, and uh, this is such a unique golf course because it's an old uh, it, it, it's a Charles. Blair McDonald course that dates back to the 1910s, and uh, McDonald, uh, coming over from Scotland, brought a lot of the Scottish ideas uh, with him, especially in his early designs. And, and the old white TPC, which is the first of five golf courses at the Greenbrier, uh, it's got all the good stuff that, that seemed to take take a take hold in Europe. It's got a Redan green. Uh, it's got an Alps. Hole uh, and and it's got a beer its hole and some of the great things that, that really gave that uh, course some character and the great thing about it is that through the work of Keith Foster in the restoration process they were able to restore all of the greens they were able to keep the character of all of those holes and by believe it or not it's ready to go. Uh, here we are in the first week of July, and like I say, back in October, there were serious doubts about whether the, this was going to be ready to be done. So great recovery effort by the Greenbrier. Uh, and i got to put in a pitch. It's a second recovery effort that the tour has gone through because, uh, you know, a couple months ago, uh, those of us here in Hilton had, had to show off our recovery effort after Hurricane Matthew. So uh, we feel for those guys at the Greenbrier, definitely. Well, can you kind of give us a little bit of a sense? I mean, you kind of talked about getting things up to speed, uh, kind of mentioning a little bit, restoring the course. Can you give us a sense a little bit, maybe if you were able, of how much did they change or just kind of bring back to the status of what it was before? Uh, Really, the the last thing they wanted to do was make changes to such a historic and, and unique course. What they really just wanted to do was to bring it back to what it was uh, when you have all of these uh, all of these great hole designs, you know, with the Redan and the Beeritz and and all of that. There was there was absolutely no no impetus to try and change any of that. It was a matter of scraping all the mud uh, that was left on the course off the course. Obviously, the the turf uh, was killed. Uh, it had to be reseeded, replanted, um, and, and it had to be given time to uh, to mature. The greens had to be completely rebuilt, uh, but you know, from all indications, and, and you know, let's let's admit it's probably not perfect, uh, but it is in tournament condition, uh, good enough to to play a PGA Tour event. And uh, the great thing is that they're going to play it on pretty much the same course that we've had for the previous six editions, you know, going back to its debut in 2010. Well, I'm glad we didn't use um, what is a Baritz hole for our trivia question tonight, Jeff. But uh, for for uh, the rest of our listeners, do you want to explain what that is? Probably a lot of people understand a Redan hole if you've watched any of the you know the Open Championships. But uh, the Baritz is that how it's Baritz? Baritz. Okay. Yes. It, it's it is a green 
that that has a swale cutting through the middle of it and you know kind of like a two-tier green or, or a multi-tier green you've got to get it on the proper side where the hole is otherwise you're going to have to putt through through the uh, the beer through the valley yeah. oh okay <laughs> the beer <it. laughs> and, and then then make sure you have a case of beer in case you take a 12 yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well, well some, something else that's important about this tournament this week, too, is it's really setting up for some other players being able to qualify for the Open. Yes. Uh, kind of one of the one of the unique parts about this uh, time on the schedule is that last week we had four players, uh, including the winner and runner-up uh, at, uh, at the Quicken Loans National, that uh, were able to play their way into the Open Championship based on their performance at TPC Potomac. And there are four more spots that uh, are available this week uh, to the top, uh, the, the top four players not already qualified with a four, you cannot be lower than 12. So it is possible, I suppose, if there are enough players uh, that are already in the field that finish in the top 12, you could have fewer than four uh, that, that get into the field for Royal Birkdale. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. I don't, I don't think that, that I've ever seen uh, the maximum number not be filled since this uh, has been put into place. And then after this week, there will be one spot left to the top non-qualified finisher at the John Deere Classic next week. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, Jordan Spieth has chosen to not play in the John Deere. I was Deere, a little bit surprised by that. Especially given that he's won it twice. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, it is a little bit surprising. You know, players typically have a lot of loyalty to places that have given them opportunities and where they have won before. But it's one of those things where about the placement on the schedule where the John Deere Classic leading into the Open Championship. How do you want to prepare for one of the four majors. And for a lot of guys, they, they want to kind of play their way in, uh, get get off to a little bit of a running start. But this is unique in that you've got to cross eight time zones to get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jordan Spieth, uh, well, last year he didn't play the John Deere uh, because uh, he had committed to not play the Olympics, if you recall, because of the Zika fears. And he didn't want his presence at the John Deere to upstage the Olympics, so he sat out both. So this is actually the second consecutive year that he has sat out the John Deere, which means he has not defended that second title uh, that that he won a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, it's it's um, uh, perhaps too, uh, you know, for for Jordan, given how he played at the U.S. Open, he's he's really dialing down on this one, and we know what happened. Uh, you know, when he failed to to win, um, you know, last year, or I'm sorry, the year before. So, you know, I think maybe he's changing his strategy a little bit for the Opens in terms of his preparation. Well, he might. And uh, what he might have discovered is that at this point in his career, he's better off working on the practice range. And let's be honest, there's nothing that says he's not jumping on a plane and maybe he's not entering the Scottish Open next week. I don't know. I've not heard anything about him accepting a, any sort of... I was wondering that myself as well. To the, ...to the Scottish Open. So for now, we'll put that one on the shelf, but there's nothing that says he can't be uh, you know, on other courses, quality courses you know, uh, over in the U.K., 
just kind of getting used to conditions and getting ready to make a solid run at Royal Birkdale. Well, we know it, that that uh, strategy worked for Phil Mickelson a couple of years ago when he uh, got his elusive Open Championship that uh, we thought he would, out of all the majors, probably not win uh, because he certainly <laughs> for a long time didn't have a love affair with playing golf over there. And that certainly changed with the Scottish Open and the Open Championship back-to-back. So we're, uh, you know, we're revving up for uh, – a couple of weeks here out for the Open, one of my favorite tournaments to watch uh, because we get to see so many unique shots. I think interesting, Tommy Fleetwood, who we got to see a lot of during the U.S. Open, won this past weekend to claim the number one spot on the European Tour. He won the French Open. So, you know, we've just got a, a lot of excitement. We keep talking about the the depth and uh, you know, just the, the global nature of the, well, both the PGA and the LPGA Tour. It's it's amazing. So who should we have our eye on to uh, be in the winner's circle on Sunday? Well, let, let me say quickly, with Tommy Fleetwood, this could be a real convergence of, of, of stars for him because he grew up in Southport, England, the same place where Royal Birkdale is. That's so right. To win it on home turf might actually, uh, well, that's Go either way. Uh, anyway, at the Greenbrier this week, uh, I'm liking Kevin Kisner. Uh, he's only about six weeks removed from his win at Colonial. He is a short game specialist. You're going to need that on the small greens uh, of a 1910-era course. And uh, and uh, he's, he's also got two second-place finishes, so I think he's, he's in, in the mix real well. I kind of like Charles Howell, uh, if he can continue putting well. After uh, after the playoff loss last week, I think that's a possibility. Webb Simpson is the only guy that has three top tens at the Greenbrier, so that's another guy to look at. And I'll give you a, I'll give you one that you're probably not thinking of: Ocala's Ted Potter Jr. Wow, he won about five years ago at the Greenbrier, and then right after that, he suffered a really terrible ankle injury. Uh, really struggled to recover from that. Lost his card. He's back on the Web.com tour. Uh, and he's fourth on the web.com money list right now. But uh, he, as a past champion, he gets to play the Greenbrier. But uh, if you're looking for, a, for an interesting long shot, maybe look at Ted Potter Jr. this week. Well, that's definitely a long shot. You reach deep into the bag on that one, and, Jeff. And he's, he's coming off a two-week vacation. So look at that. He never, he, Jeff Shane doesn't miss a beat. Forget, forget us trying to get back in the chair after a few days out of the office. But, uh, Jeff, as always, we appreciate uh, all, your, uh, all your good reporting. And you can check him out at PGATour.com. We look forward to uh, checking in with you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, my friend. This is the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so leading me. I got good eyesight, I'll be all right. I get my dentures shining bright. I got the Golf Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house. Holly G and Will Perry. I don't know if we're sounding so intelligent tonight, Will. <laughs> we, hey, we've always got we've always got plenty of golf fodder to pull from our bag. Yeah, I know. We got a little bit of the Fourth of July. Plus, throw in some technical difficulties. Yeah, it, it happens. It's live fun. radio, but you know we we do it well. We try to keep everybody. Uh, 
nice and calm on those fairways of I-4. And uh, someone who, oh, man, you know, she's, she's never calm. She's, she's, always, <laughs> she's always jacked up no matter what time of day it is. You'd think she'd had 14 Red Bulls. But, no, it's just her amazing personality. And uh, it's time to check in with the one, the only, editor of Gulf Central Magazine, one of our favorites, Terry Purdom. Hello, Miss T. Hi, kids. By the way, before we go any further, I got to say props to Will's new hairdo. Love it. <laughs> we didn't talk it. about it today. I actually have a hat on, but thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, I talk about it to everybody everywhere I go now. <laughs> well, did you, did you see the latest issue of Gulf Central Magazine? Where? Yeah, I've well, got it open in front of me oh, right now. How come oh there's God, no picture Andy, of my hairdo in there? Uh, next issue, we're we're doing nothing but raving, uh, ridiculously cool haircuts. Next issue, that's <laughs> what it's all about. Ah, uh, there yeah. you go, there you go. So, um, just a quick update. We know uh, Terry, you had your 18th anniversary, and um, <laughs> and you have uh, now morphed <laughs> into Golf Central. You originally were Florida Golf Central, then you became Southern Golf Central, and. You know, woman, you just keep stepping it up. Congratulations. And it's not me. It's my team. I've got these people behind me. I swear I don't even know why they still believe in me sometimes. Thank you, too, you, too, for your support. But you know what? It just made sense. We say Golf Central. We're Golf Central on Facebook. Golf Central is who we are. It's on our shirts, and everybody knows, and we started out as Golf Central. So it's just we had to end up progressing because the viability of, you know, the web and social and all of that. So it made sense. And by the way, Holly, in this latest issue is you. I want to congratulate you for the Chichi Rodriguez uh, Award for your work on Pulse. I don't know if you guys have wore that out on the show or not, but way cool that you did that. And it was so special. And it means, it means a lot, the word Golf United in Orlando and across the country. And it's part of the REACH program that we are champions of here at Golf Central, which is inclusive diversity we have four pages on the minority collegiate um event in the last issue and we want minorities we want women we want everybody included but way to go on the money that you raised what was the dollar amount i don't remember it was uh, article. yeah it was it was it was about thirty seven thousand dollars and we did it in about six weeks with a terrific team of course you know i with- know you your fanny last minute and did that. Was it was like, about what? six weeks. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was very a, impressive. It was a, a, a passion project of uh, of you know a handful of us that got together here and um, you know of course we had great partners and and great uh, great yeah. sponsors yeah. and it, and Grand Cypress. You know who doesn't want to play down there at the GP? Absolutely. So it was uh, you know and and quite a shock as you know to receive that award and of course I. That I, was beautiful. And you cried like a big cry baby. <laughs> my favorite part well, is the pictures yeah. where you look like a cry baby. Uh, it's not easy I to pull. You know, it's not easy to pull a surprise off on me. I know. I loved it. Hey, I want to mention. Speaking of philanthropic, um, in our new tag, Golf Central Magazine, we used to say tra- golf. Travel and Lifestyle Magazine. We didn't need the word golf in there. We didn't need the word magazine. Our new tag at Golf Central is Turf, Travel, Philanthropy, Lifestyle. So one of the things I want to invite all your listeners to do is share any philanthropic suggestions, ideas, comments, tournaments. We have donated so many pages in our 18 years to just giving back. You and sure that's have. Really where we want to be. Where we want to be. Pat Summit's event in there. Uh, oh, and we're at French Lake this week. Our magazine is in. French Lake for the LPGA um, senior event. Yeah, the legends. Well, which is, 
Right, the legend event. Our good friend uh, Brendan Sweeney from Orlando, who's the uh, director of media and marketing up there. And we love Brendan. He's so good. He's a great host. When we were up there, I sent a group up. I didn't get to go. Um, But, yeah, we've got all kinds of different uh, charity events. And one of the things we want to know, and we want people to know, and we want to know, too, every purchase of a decal of Turf Life, $5 goes back to Environmental Research and Education Foundation, EREF. And we're big partners with them. It's a progressive movement that everybody needs to be a part of. And that's part of the pride of wearing the Turf Life decal on your car, your cart, uh, the Turf Life 19th hole. For details, you know, I, by the way, nice spot I heard before. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, they can contact me here or go to turflife.club or golfcentralmag.com is the new website we just launched. And I'd love input ideas comments you know we're an open book here all right comment all right Tara, we appreciate it uh, and i know you've grown to over 180,000 in terms of your digital subscribers so uh and you know growing absolutely yeah. and you know you still put out the print publication around orlando uh, can't tell people enough to support this publication it it truly you have done so much for so many charity events and uh we we just we just love our partnership and we got to go my friend Okay, thanks to my staff, Shane Coates, yeah. and Nick yeah. Harris, and everybody, and thank you. Bye, All right. Guys. We love you, Terry P. Always good to love catch you. up with Terry. All right. So, Will, it's that time. I'll take Bubba Watson just because he has that sentimental factor involved with playing there this week. Hmm. That's a good one. Uh, I am going – I'm going to pick Charles Howe third. I'm going for a sentimental You're going to play pick. the hot hand? Yeah, the hot hand as well as you know Orlando's own here. So I I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see him do it. And as you know, I always have to pick uh, take a second pick. Here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see Phil. That'd be I'd like great. To see Phil win. I would. You know, that would be a, a cool with place his for brother him to do Tim it. on the bag. It would be just like him to do it like when no one's expecting. Because hey, let's face it. Um, you know, Phil, Phil revving up for the Open, a little Victor Anders belt, that would be uh, some pretty exciting stuff. The Golf Insiders, we hope you had a great 4th of July. Have a great week, especially if you're on vacation or if you're not. Um, we'll be back next week. We love you. Bye-bye.